Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. So, Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of creating space and learning how to sit still, both physically and woo-woo-y. <laughs> Obviously, that's not a word, but it's just the first one that pops into my head. So why are we talking about creating space and sitting still? Well, obviously, this is the Clear the Clutter podcast. So clearing the clutter means you're physically creating space, sometimes mentally, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually, sometimes financially. It doesn't matter which E you're doing, the clearing of the cluttering, but you're going to be clearing clutter with the intention of creating space. Now, once you've started clearing that clutter and you've created that space, now you have to learn how to actually sit still in it how to not fill it back up with a bunch of, you know, fluff and minutia and crap just because you're used to being busy. So I didn't necessarily feel that I was ready to talk about sitting still um, yet until probably maybe a month ago, only because, and for me, clearing the clutter, the last key for me of clearing the clutter Um, Outside of throwing a ton of stuff away, going through my beliefs, doing a lot of journaling, outside of a lot of the stuff I've been talking about on the podcast already, um, I've talked about it before and I'll continue to talk about it as long as it's true. I basically quit social media. I deleted my Instagram account. Um, I go on Pinterest barely once or twice a week. Um, Unfortunately, I have to keep my Facebook account because of my job. But outside of that, if it wasn't because of that, I would be deleting my Facebook account. I've basically gone off. You know, I don't use, not that I have anything against it. I don't use YouTube or Twitter or Snapchat or any of the other platforms I'm not, you know, thinking of. But I basically went off the social media grid. And for me... And that was a final step in learning how to sit still because I had created a ton of space in my life, cleared through those beliefs, busted out shitty friends, like set new energetic minimums and maximums, but I never felt like I had any time. And the oxymoron and the whole like, you know, record scratcher of that was like, well, how do I not have time? Where's my time going? What am I doing? What, you know, again, go back to where where is it going and what the fudge am I doing like where is my time being spent if I magically created all of this time but yet I don't feel like I have time so like any self-respective nerd I went ahead and I started documenting what I did every night and I would put on their social media clean the cat litter feed the dogs help cook dinner clean up dinner take the garbage out you know, blah, 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 minutia, minutia, minutia. And I would look at how long it would take me to do the normal stuff of like, take care of the pets, clean the cat litter, cook dinner and wash dishes with the hubby. I'd look at that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's maybe hour and a half, let's say two hours on the high end. You know, it's not really a ton of time. Majority of the time when we're cooking dinner together, we don't do crazy intensive recipes. And if we do, we cook together in our teeny, teeny, tiny kitchen, which is adorable um, and super romantic, but not really, um, but it is adorable. But 
if we're cooking together, then half the time I'm like his prep chef and I'm chopping and dicing and de-fatting and this is and thating, and he's physically cooking. And then when he's cooking and I'm done doing all the prep stuff, I start all the cleanup. So the amount of time isn't necessarily, oh, I'm, you know, I'm cooking some crazy elaborate meal that's taking me two hours. You know, maybe it takes us 45 minutes together, but I've also started to clean majority of the dishes and I just have to clean the dishes we ate on that night afterwards. So looking at all of this, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> where's my time going? And it's like, okay, the pets, I even, oh my God, I was such a dork about it, but I was really stressed out in the sense of like, okay, I created all this space in my life. How do I not feel spacious? Like, how is that a thing? And I was like, okay, I figured out how long it takes me to cook and to do dishes and all of that. And has not as much time as I expected. All right, what else is next? Let's see how long it takes to take care of the pets. You know, how long does it do the cat litter? How long is it to take care of the dogs? How long is it to vacuum? Because vacuuming when you have this many animals is a, a daily chore. How long, how long, how long? And I looked at it and on average is anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, assuming that no one got sick or something like that and needed, you know, like me to give them their medicine or me to clean something up, like normal stuff, 30, 45 minutes for six animals. Pretty good time. So again, where's all my time going? And I'm looking at my night and I'm like, man, I've got like five, almost six hours that I don't know what, where it's going. And I'm like, okay, well, two hours, let's say, let's say two and a half hours are accounted for between cooking, cleaning, and petting, right? And playing with the babies. So let's say two and a half hours. Where's the rest of the time going? Okay, you've got taking a shower and getting ready for bed. 30 minutes? Okay, now we're up to three hours. Where is my three hours going? Where is the three other hours out of the six hours or five hours going? Like, I couldn't account for it. And it freaked me out to no end. So... I was like, okay, you know, I know how long the normal things are taking. What if I consciously just like wrote down what I did when I came home? And sometimes, you know, it would be stuff of like, okay, well, a little bit of time went here and there because I lollygagged or I, you know, was talking to a neighbor. So that stuff made sense. But what I didn't expect was social media. I didn't expect that you know, I was whipping my phone out 5, 10, 15 times a night to check a status update because I just checked one 20 minutes ago and I'm like, mm, let me check it again. And it wasn't conscious, you know, and you've heard me on the pat on this podcast before in the past talking about this love hate relationship I have with social media. I think it's an amazing tool and it got me a ton of friends that I don't think I ever would have met otherwise. But I also don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good. And I don't think that we have good boundaries in regards to it. And mind you, I'm losing two to three hours. I was, I don't do anymore, but I was losing two to three hours a night just goofing off on stupid social media when my entire goal had been, let's create the space in my life so that I don't feel overwhelmed. And when I created the space in my life, I continued to feel overwhelmed because I was wasting my time on something that didn't matter. So the whole point of that rant was that when you're creating space in your life, when you're working on decluttering, you're working on if you're becoming a minimalist, you're working on clearing up your finances, you're working on getting rid of toxic, shitty relationships, you're working on all of this stuff, the entire point 
is to create the space. The entire goal is to have a lot more free time doing things that you love to get your time back. With that being said, when you actually are creating this space, don't let it get eaten up by the minutia, but also learn how to sit still. And again, as always, every single podcast, you know, with a drill at the end of it, I will give you the journal prompts to go ahead and dive deep. But I want to kind of riff a little bit longer on just creating space because I think in if you are listening to me because I was looking at the stats which I think is amazing the other day um, about 80% of the people that listen to this podcast right now live in the United States but the rest of you guys and gals live throughout the world which is amazing and if you ever want to send me a postcard from another country please feel free because I love I love knowing that I have other people in different countries listening so totally obsessed with it. But in America, where a majority of us are living and listening, it is a badge of honor to be to be busy. And it's the stupidest, stupidest thing ever. I was list, not listening. I was reading a article probably about a week or two ago. And it's from this um, blog called Deliberate Rest. He has a book called Deliberate Rest. It's amazing. Um, and I follow his blog. And he said something in one of his blog at blog episodes, I guess you could call it, um, that America was the creator of the work culture that replaced your personal identity. Now, totally paraphrasing, probably slightly butchering it, but you get the point. Back in the day, like not the 1950s, pre-1950s, like when the when the industrial age kind of became and we had choices and options into how we were able to spend our time, we all got kind of got a little bit lost because we weren't required to work 14, 16, 18 hours a day. We actually had choices. We had options. And so there came the belief and identity of, okay, well, I have choices and options. And while other countries and other cultures in general didn't make work their identity, the Puritans, because God love them, they didn't know any better. The Puritans and America in general made work our identity. So it's 100% expected and natural for people to have the identity that, you know, their work is everything. And when your work is everything, whether you're conscious of it or not, you want to be busy because you want to feel valuable. You don't feel valuable sitting there doing nothing. You don't feel valuable watching Netflix. You don't feel valuable spending time with your babies or spending time with the hubs or doing, you know, that podcast you love. You don't feel valuable for it. It doesn't, none of it feels valuable if your work is your identity. We have a really messed up belief system around that. So if maybe clearing up the clutter in your life is your work identity and not being tied to that your identity and your self-worth is tied to your job well again you're going to have all of this space whether it's brain space or physical space and with that being said you're going to be tempted to fill it up because it's really hard when especially in the beginning when you're new to this it is really hard to sit still and not freak out and not feel like you're not worthy or that you have to be doing something you have to do the dishes. You have to vacuum that one more time. You have to maybe start doing research for work or maybe you should start the grocery list or maybe you could work on that project or maybe or maybe or maybe. 
in a society and a culture that values being busy because that's tied to your identity, because that's tied to your work, and that's tied to your value, literally the opposite, which is sitting still and doing nothing or, you know, relaxing or spending time with your family, but non-productive things are the opposite of what we are raised to believe. And it's really hard when your friends, when your family, when your coworkers, when society around you is rushing around like a nut job and you're there standing still, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. People might judge you for it. People might say something and you might be judging yourself. You might be saying, well, this is kind of weird and unexpected. But if you've listened to this 12 now minute rant of the beliefs of being busy, you're also pretty dedicated to sitting still and creating space. And as a type of person that gets attracted to this podcast, we talk about woo, we talk about creating space, we talk about spending time with your family and the ones that you love and watching lots of Netflix. So for that to actually happen, you need to sit still. And to sit still, you need to value sitting still. And to value sitting still, you need to create space and not fill it up with minutiae, not fill it up with social media or, you know, endless social media. Not saying you have to give up social media, but like endless. Maybe you check it once a day and you check and you're done. Like you don't have to check it nine times a day or 30 times a day. Maybe that means that you don't say yes to every single thing that people give you the option for, especially as a parent. I know that all my parent friends, because we don't have children at the moment that are human, just for humans (laughs) or for babies. Um, But I know that parents have a lot of options. Take their kids to do this, volunteer for that, volunteer for this. Jimmy wants to do that. Sally wants to do this. So you guys have a lot of constant decisions that you're making. Um, And in regards to that, you can maybe look at setting a schedule of, okay, what are we going to do this depending on the age? What are we going to do this semester? What activities are we going to participate in? What things are we going to volunteer for, if any? You can start creating boundaries on that so that life doesn't overwhelm you because other people have the opinion that you should be busy too. When you are calm and you have a very spacious life, people are either going to admire you and ask you, what, what the fuck are you doing and how did you do it? Because I need that and I want that and I crave that. Or they're going to be like, oh, they've got more bandwidth. Well, let me dump all my crap on them. It's always either option A or option B. Majority of the time it's option B. So with that being said, You need to have boundaries. You need to have very clear boundaries. I've always talked about, you know, knowing your worth and all that. But like, why do you want to sit still? Why? Is it to spend time with your family? Okay, great. Why do you want to spend time with your family? Oh, because you love them. Well, great. Why do you want to spend more time with them? Because you don't want time to go by. Like whatever the scenario is, like you need to have a resounding why as to why are you going to say no to all of these other things because this thing is more important to you. And another reasoning for the boundaries is it's also going to help you with decision fatigue. Every time someone asks you, hey, are you available to do this? No, thanks. My plate is full. It doesn't matter that, like, I love saying that. I love, 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 love saying that. And the only reason why I love saying that is because no one, it's like this little joke inside. No one knows that my life is full 
being spacious, like spaciousness literally kind of like, um, oh God, it's like the state puff, safe puff marshmallow guy or whatever from Ghostbusters where he just kind of grows and grows and grows and grows and like basically takes over New York. That's what spaciousness has done, but in a good, not I'm going to eat you way. Spaciousness and being calm and being present has taken up so much space in my life and it's made me so happy as a result from it that I am so not available for all these other things. You know, maybe once in a blue moon, I'll say yes to something, but other than that, I basically say no to everything else. And I say no with joy because first off, hashtag boundaries. But second off, you know, people are going to see that you don't have a busy life and they're going to want to dump all their crap on you. And so depending on the person and the relationship you have, it can be a matter of having a conversation with them of like, hey, you know, I really don't appreciate you trying to get me to do all these crazy things. Um, I actually have my own plans, yada, yada, yada. Or if it's someone that you don't have that relationship with, that you can get really you know, personal with, then you just tell them, Hey, no, you know, I appreciate it, but my plate's full right now. They don't have to know why your plate is full. You can say it's because I'm being spacious because I want to spend time with my family, or you can say nothing at all. You don't technically, not even your boss. Like when it comes to your own personal downtime, you don't know. You don't owe anyone a reason as to what you spend your time doing or how you spend your time doing. Unless it infringes or hurts a family member that is reliant on you, like your children or your fur babies or your husband or your wife. Like you outside of those four groups, you don't know an answer to anyone. You don't know an explanation to anyone. You don't know an obligation to anyone. So don't feel compelled to give it to them. So <laughs> with that being said, I'm going to slightly get off my soapbox of why creating space is important because again if you've made it this far obviously it's pretty important to you um i'm going to start diving into learning how to sit still and then of course the journal prompts okay so let's dive into the actual sitting still part of creating space because when you create space most of the time you're creating space to sit still. Again, whether it's physically sitting still or mentally or spiritually sitting still. So the sitting still is going to feel probably like one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. The first couple of weeks at minimum that you go to sit still, you've cleared up your schedule, you've cleared up your calendar, you're not on the Facebooks or the Twitters or the Snapchats or the Instagrams all day long or all night long. You're not doing a bunch of dumb, boring minutia bullshit that was just a waste of time anyway. You've said no to the peoples that you should have been saying no to a long time ago. All of the boxes are checked and you go to sit still and you start to freak out <laughs> and you start to fidget and you start to think and your brain is racing at a million miles a minute and, 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 and it's really hard and don't feel bad because I went through the exact same thing. Probably the first two, three, four months I started to sit still. I had to literally do it in baby steps because it was so overwhelming. The, the quiet and the stillness inside of me was so overwhelming that I freaked out. Like, mind you, I've told you guys in the past, gals in the past, that I am a voracious reader. I read anywhere from 150 to 300 books a year. Like, I speed read not even intentionally but that's just how many books I consume because I love 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 to read so I was like okay I'm gonna have so much more time to read 
I'm going to be able to read a lot more romance novels and sci-fi novels and maybe a handful more business books because business books are great, but romance novels are way better. Like I was so excited about that. And then when I actually cleared my calendar and I had three hours on a weekend that was quote unquote dedicated to book time, by the time I actually grabbed my book or grabbed my Kindle, went to sit on the couch, went to go lay down in the bed or wherever I was going to be, go sit outside and actually read, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't focus. And I'm like, what is going on? I can read anywhere. I can do this literally in my sleep, basically, because I've been doing it for so long. Like, why can't I sit still? So your version might be maybe meditating and maybe gardening and maybe something. But like when you go to do the quote unquote sitting still, it's going to be hard because it's such a weak muscle that you're not used to. Your brain has been wired over and over and over again to be busy, to produce things. And when you start to not produce things and you start to sit still and not be busy, your brain's like, wait, what's going on? Are we supposed to be doing this? This is bad. I was told this is bad. Okay, so since this is bad, you're going to have 15 billion racing thoughts and go. <laughs> and it's okay. And it's normal. And it happens to all of us. And just know that you need to let your brain run its course. So if creating the space in your life and sitting physically still is too hard and you try it, don't give up. Don't think that it's going to be like this forever. Just know that... You know, one thing I probably should have done that would have made it a lot simpler and a lot smoother in general was I probably should have had a notepad next to me. Not my phone, not my laptop, not an iPad, not a, none of the technologies. Like, let's go old school. Have a physical notepad next to me. And every time I sat there trying to read, trying to learn how to sit still, trying to be present in the moment, and I had some racing thought... I should have, in reality, grabbed my notebook and written down the thought of what was going on. Because obviously my brain is kicking up all of this stuff because it feels like it has a lot of unresolved issues. And just because I write it down doesn't mean I have to take care of it. Doesn't mean I have to work on it. Doesn't mean I have to stop what I'm doing and jump and run and take care of and put that fire out and do this and do that. No. And it's just my brain's way of protecting me. It's like, well... You have free time. You said you were going to look into this, but it's been two months since you said you were going to look into it. So I'm going to come up to you now. Like your brain is going to feel spastic. And the only thing I can tell you is the best thing I could have done is I could have been gentler and kinder to myself. I could have had a notebook next to me. I could have written it down and said, okay, brain, thank you so much for reminding me of that. I appreciate it. Now it's written down. That means it'll get scheduled. And you know what? Let's get back to this book. Okay. And it's kind of like treating yourself almost like a little bit of a toddler or maybe of a puppy or a kitten. Like the cat's going to need to go take the nap. The puppy's going to need to take the nap. But it's going to have like one more little spurt to play. And it's going to play and run around like a nut job for five minutes. And then it's going to realize, hey, I'm kind of tired. And it's going to sit down and it's going to crash. And your brain's going to be the same thing, just like a, a, a toddler or a puppy or a kitten or something that's new and not used to it. It's going to do it in a spurt. It's going to go, 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 and it's going to crash. And then you need to just be kind through that process. So the physical sitting still, again, for some people, not all, is going to be f really hard. And 
I haven't even gotten to the point where I can sit still and do nothing. Like, I'm sitting still by being outside with my puppies and letting them run around like nut jobs and reading. So that's my version of sitting still. Sitting still, ultimate sitting still, is for me to be able to sit outside with them and do nothing. Like, not read, not listen to a podcast, not listen to music, but just sit there and observe. And I can probably do that for about five, six minutes at a stretch, but I can't do it for 30 minutes. I can't do it for an hour. I can't do it for, you know, a couple of hours. And that would be the ultimate goal is to sit there and do nothing, legitimately nothing for two, three, four hours. And maybe I'm doing nothing so well that I kind of fall asleep. But sitting still is going to be a practice. And it's got to be valuable. And as you're going through this, as you're processing all of this, as your brain is dumping out all these things that you told it you wanted to do when you had time, because magically now you have the time, it's going to all pop up. Just know that it's an evolving process. So sitting still for you might mean gardening. It might mean volunteering. It might mean like physically snuggling a family member or your fur babies. Like your sitting still could be different. My sitting still is reading way more naughty, naughty romance novels because they're amazing and I love them and I get a kick out of them and spending way more time with my fur babies and watching way more dumb, you know, TV shows with the husband. And that's my version of sitting still. And then my ultimate version would be physically sitting there and doing nothing. And seeing how long I could get away with it without getting antsy. So just because that's my version of sitting still doesn't mean it has to be your version. But just kind of start thinking, what would that look like? What would that be? And of course, now that means I'm going to start giving you the journal prompts. So as always with every episode, don't worry. The link for the journal prompts is going to be in the show notes. If you want to, I will always tell you, go ahead and answer them out loud if you're in a safe and quiet space. If not, just think them in your head, but don't worry about trying to write them down because they're all going to be at the blog at margaretstevens.co. So let's dive into those journal prompts. So the first one, and again, you can pick and choose whatever, which ones work for you. Um, I just have a handful on them, on them for this episode. So the first one is, what are you running from? In regards to sitting still, what are you running from? Are you running from the belief that you have to be busy 24-7? Are you running from the belief that only worthy people, um, you know, sit still? Are you running from the belief that you should be making more money, therefore it's bad to sit still, or you're going to lose something by sitting still, what are you running from? Second prompt, who are you trying to impress? Because sometimes the running and the impressing are the same thing, sometimes they're not. So who are you trying to impress by being busy 24-7? Are you trying to impress your boss because that's what you think you're going to need to get a promotion? Are you trying to impress that family member because you want to be busier than them so that you look more worthy or more valuable? Are you trying to impress the neighbors because you do more stuff than them and have more activities, but yet you will always feel ragged? Like, who are you trying to impress by your busyness? The next one is being busy 24-7, moving you forward in life, like is the being busy actually valuable? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Majority of the time it's not. 
me being on Facebook 20, 30 times a day didn't move me forward in life. It kept me frustrated. It kept me upset. And it also stole a bunch of time that I could be sitting here recording the podcast. Hence why if you were listening to this in real time, there were some crazy gaps because I didn't know how to prioritize my time. So is this whole being busy minutia bullcrap really moving you forward in life or is it stealing from you? Next journal prompt is, is it making you happy? Most likely not because, again, you're about 30-something, 40 minutes maybe into this episode. And, again, if it was making you happy, you would have been like, well, this is dumb. And you would have clicked onto another episode or you would have listened to a different podcast. So it's not making you happy. Next journal prompt is, who are you afraid of disappointing? So in regards to creating space and saying no to people, that means you're going to disappoint someone. Whether it's realistic or not that you are responsible for disappointing someone, you're going to disappoint them. You're going to disappoint that random person on the PTA because you said no to volunteering to make cupcakes. You're going to disappoint a coworker that wants to dump off more work onto you because you don't feel it's appropriate. You're go- you're going to doesn't matter who. You're going to disappoint someone. But who are you afraid of disappointing? That might give you more insight as to why you're content with being busy 24-7. The next journal prompt is, is this a way of shying away from telling people no? So if you're afraid of disappointing someone, most likely you're not going to be telling that person no. And if you're not telling that person no, you're not setting healthy boundaries, you're not setting clear boundaries, you're sending mixed signals because you're telling them no, but you're not acting on the no. So is you being busy 24-7, is you being afraid of disappointing someone away from you not feeling comfortable telling people no, not being comfortable to know your own boundaries, not being comfortable knowing that you're worthy of downtime, regardless of if it's once a day or once a week, you know, who are you, who should you be telling no to that you're not telling no to right now? And then the last journal prompt is if you would do anything that you could with that time and there was no obstacles in the way, what would it be? Now, I've told you guys already in multiple episodes outside of even just this one, I always could feel like I can spend more time with my husband, I can spend more time with my fur babies, and I can spend more time podcasting. So creating that space, learning how to sit still, not filling it up with dumb minutia, that is what I would be doing if there was no obstacles in my way. And over time, as I build that muscle, I build it so that it's a lot easier to do the things I actually want to do, spend more time with the husband, spend more time with my six animals and making sure that everyone feels loved and everyone gets attention, spend more time consistently creating podcast episodes and not feeling like I have to re-record things nine different times because I'm afraid of my stutters. So those are the three basic things that I would do and learning how to sit still, learning to protect the space that I've created, that is the result of it. You know, even if, I'm not saying that this would actually happen, but even if podcasting no longer was an option for me, say I wanted to take up gardening instead, it's still valuable time. It's still something where I'm learning to sit still. It's still a time where I am 
repowering myself, taking care of myself so that I can be a better person. I can be better at work. I can be better for my coworkers. I can be better for my boss, my clients, my customers. I could be better for my animals because I have enough attention and enough love to give all of them versus saying, okay, you get five minutes, you get five minutes, you get five minutes and I'm done. I give more of myself to my husband because I'm not cranky or grumpy or tired or snappish because I feel rushed. So there's a lot of benefit of sitting still, creating that space and protecting that space. And Again, if you didn't have anything in your way, what would that look like? Because the whole point of it is to not just let it be a fantasy, but actually bring it into reality. Bring it in so that what was a dream six six months ago is now a reality today. What was a dream three years ago is something you achieved a year ago. You, You get it, you create it, you hold on to it, you value it, you treasure it. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter if someone else thinks that you should be busier. You tell them no and you don't feel bad and you're not afraid of disappointing them. You tell the person that tries to volunteer you for stuff like, hey, my schedule's full. Sorry. And you don't feel obligated to give them a reasoning as to why. You spend the time with your friends and your family that you really would like to spend time with. You spend time doing that thing that lights you up and rejuvenates you so that when you go to bed at night, you feel happy. You feel not accomplished just because you checked a bunch of crap off on your to-do list, but you feel accomplished because you feel like you renewed your soul a little bit. And maybe that's the other point of all of this is creating space and learning how to sit still is like recharging your soul. If your soul was a cell phone battery, you'd be basically running on 5% 24-7 versus plugging your phone in overnight, recharging fully, and then starting the day at 100% again. I mean, we've talked about units of energy, so it's not anything new, but it's, it is new in the sense of your soul needs to recharge too. And sometimes the only way your soul can recharge is by doing the things that you've always talked about doing and actually enacting them, actually spending time with your family, actually doing the hobby you wanted to do, actually learning the skill you wanted to learn. That is how you recharge. That is how you learn to be more present. That's how you learn to be more calm and more happy and more peaceful and more grateful. Because you actually have time to appreciate the really great things in your life. You actually are not rushing 24-7. So with that being said, I hope that you can be kind to yourself as you learn to sit still. And I hope that you take my advice. And when you start to sit still, grab a notebook, keep it next to you. Again, don't go digital, go physical. Um... But keep a notebook next to you because, again, here's the tangent as to why I don't go digital. When I tried going digital, I ended up going onto Pinterest and doing all the work instead of sitting still. So don't, don't, don't go digital. Go old school. Sit still. Enjoy what you're supposed to be enjoying. But when that thought comes up of, oh, you're supposed to be looking into this or, oh, you're supposed to be taking care of that, just write it down. Thank your brain for reminding you and get back to being present, doing what you love and spending time with who you love. Again, all of the journal prompts, all of the information is over at the blog, margaretstevens.co. Links in the show notes. I will talk to you guys later. Have a great day. Have a burning question for me? 
Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.